going to be an exciting time. But tonight I want to wrap some things up. Oh, another family you can lift up is uh, Dr. Oberlee's wife, Lori's mother, went to be with the Lord today, just today. And uh, so please lift those people up too. Uh, I want to just speak to you a few things about faith. One of the things that Christians do is it will go to Proverbs, I think it's 2118, uh, or 1821, without a vision people perish. Proverbs 1821, is that it? Nope, that's life and death. How about Proverbs 2118? Well, I thought you knew them. I don't know them. I know they're in the book someplace. Hallelujah. Where in the world is without the vision of people perish? Does anybody know that scripture? Where? Nobody knows that scripture in our church. Okay. Hallelujah. 2918. Thank you. I knew it was in the Bible. Proverbs 20. Somebody said, don't you know all the Bible? I said, no, but I do know him that wrote it. So I'm kind of confident that. Proverbs 2918. Where there is no vision, the people perish. He that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, people perish. What does that mean to you and I concerning our life of faith? There are fundamental things that cause faith to work. Without fundamental things, faith will not work. It doesn't mean that faith has flaws. It means that people don't understand how to use it. And so when we start looking at faith, Remember, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But the word hearing doesn't just mean to receive sound, to receive information. The word understanding, the word hearing really means they that understand. You cannot live a faith life without understanding. What you would do, because then you're into presumption, you get into different areas and things of that nature. But here in this passage of Scripture in Proverbs 29, 18, now that we know where it's at, Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, people perish. Now that simply means this, that where people do not see or have no goal for their faith, faith wanders or moves without purpose. In other words, it's like a ship without a rudder. And many times that's what we do with our faith. There is no place for it to go. There is no goal for it to lock on to. Or we forget the goal or we forget that which we are believing God for. Now, if you'll go over to Habakkuk. Now, if you have a Bible like mine, it's page 863. Habakkuk, and we're going to look at Habakkuk 2, 3 
and 4. Habakkuk 2, 3 and 4. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak, it shall bring forth, and not lie. In other words, it will manifest itself, it will be what it has been shown to be. Through, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come to pass, it will not tarry. And then it says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Whose faith? His faith. Now, faith is given to the believer to create, to obtain, and to live a life of God. To live. But if faith is not used, the man, though he possesses it, lives a life of death. When we talk about death, it is synonymous with Satan dominion, separation from God, inheritance-less. It means that they never appropriate the entitlement of what Christ has done at the cross. See, sometimes we are redeemed from sin, but we are still bound by the penalties of it. And so faith has been given to us to live by. Now remember, there are two forms of life. There is the life of God that we experience, a God life. Jesus said, if you'll keep my sayings, you shall not see death. In other words, you'll not live under the bondage of the dictator of death, the, the devil. Jesus said, if you'll keep my saying, these laws will separate you or free you from the laws of sin and death. You want to live free from the devil, you have to use the laws of God. Just do them. Amen? Now, it says here that we need to write the vision. Now, remember, where there is no vision, people perish. Well, I remember your brain is not big enough to remember everything that you see in a scripture. So when you get a vision or you see what a scripture means, if you're going to apply your faith to it, guess what you need to do? You need to write it down. You need to write it down. Not only do you need to write it down, you need to write down how you have been told by the Holy Ghost how to mix your faith with it. In other words, you need to write down what God said for you to say. Now, I'm, I'm, I'll show this pretty quickly. Go to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. And I think it's verse 34. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and look at 34. Let's look at a verse 35. It says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. 
for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back from what? Faith. If a man withdraws from faith, his soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now, this certainly has to do with eternal life. But there are principles of faith, and we need to operate in those principles. The first thing that any believer does when he goes, have, do you, uh, how many of you have machines at home you only use every once in a while? I do. I, I got, you know, like mixers we only use in the summer, right? So uh, there are things that you have to relook up. There are uh, things that you use and you think, where's the instruction book for that? You know, you have to get it. So you got to go out and get it, and, or you have to bring somebody else in. Show me how this works, right? And so I always say, I forgot. I don't forget. I just don't retain. I don't care. And uh, until I need it. But then when I need it, I want it to function. Amen. Right? Okay. Well, let's think of this. That when you are going to find out where you're going to use your faith, every believer should have a checklist. You know, we need to have a checklist that we are handling things the way that faith asks us to handle them. See, we have a checklist for everything else in the house. But we don't have a checklist what to do when a need arises. Oh, well, I would just give. Sure you do. And you're fibbing because I don't want to call you a liar. You're just a fibber. You're a liar waiting to be born. Now, listen. You don't respond the same way all the time. Because there are different pressures. Oh, well, we're just going to give. Maybe you'll do that after you've already talked to your wife and you've tossed it to and fro and you've altered everything else and finally you'll come back to your senses. But what if you said, before we do anything, let's look at the steps that God has ordered. Could we do that? Absolutely. And we should. We should. And so, the first thing a person needs to do if they're going to use their faith is find out what God wants to do. If God wants to meet the need, then you need to study that out. You say, oh, I already know. I know it. That's why faith came one time when you heard, but it left when you used it. See, you think faith is all the time in you. Faith is used. And when it's used, it has to be nourished and replenished. That's why it comes by hearing and hearing perpetually in your life. That's why we always put the word in us. They become frontless for our eyes. They renew our mind. We meditate upon it. It becomes our milk and our meat and our bread for our life. That's why we need it all the time. You can't just read it once. I heard a great preacher one time, or he was great then, and he said, you know, I used to read the Bible all the time. Now I just spend my time reading commentaries. I thought, what a great fall 
from greatness to being a mimicker of other people's thoughts. I don't want to read commentaries. Oh, well, they're good. I'm, I understand they're good. But those commentaries got their stuff from the Bible. So if you just go over them and go back to the Bible, you might have your own commentary. Yeah. And so now the first thing I would do is I would study something out. I would say, okay, I am finally persuaded. Even though you've done it once, 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 do it again. Do it again. Well, I don't have time. Well, you have time to fail and you have time to succeed. They both take the same amount of time. Right? And you're going to think about it in the bed and you're going to worry about it. You're going to be concerned about it. You're going to be all that. And then finally you're going to say, oh, no, I know we ought to give. But the spark to create the fire is not there. Now, I'm, I'm just telling you how I do. Now, you may have it all up and you may have a, a what is that, a, a memory that re remembers everything, photographic memory. Don't, I hate why do they have the upper hand? Huh? That's absolutely sad. And so, I don't have a photographic mind. I have to keep my mind renewed. And I have to do it every day. Every day, I got to keep putting on the image of Christ in me because we all can forget about it. Now, the first thing I would do is I would study it out and I would find this is what God wants. I'd get a word from God. See, if you're going to write something and use it as a guideline to rudder, then you're going to have to hear it from God. Right? Okay. And realize the Holy Ghost is going to direct you in different ways. Why? Because the enemy is out there. And he has things planned for you that you don't know, but the Holy Ghost knows. There's nothing hid from his eyes, Hebrews 4.13. So the Holy Ghost knows what you're going to run into. So he'll have you use your faith in a different way. Why? Because the adversary knows what you did last time, and he's ready for you the second time. But I do understand that sometimes you don't need the Holy Ghost, and I understand that. You know, that's great. The life is riddled with people that think like that, and they're all in the dump heap of failure and disappointment. You need the Holy Ghost. And any time that you think that you can do something without this word speaking to you for your present now, you have excluded God from being a part of your journey. Mm. Now, so I would study it out and then I would write, this is what's going to happen. This is what I believe. And then I would meditate on those things and I would ask the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, how do you want me to loose my faith? There are different ways to loose your faith. You can do an action, right? Jesus told the man that was on the bed, take up thy bed and walk. He got up off of it. I don't think he jumped up and did springboard and 10 jumping jacks, but he made his way up. And he took up that cot and he walked. That is an action. But then Jesus told us, 
Use your faith like God uses his faith in Mark, the 11th chapter, and speak to the mountain. So, there are just two ways, and there are many ways, that God would have us use our faith. But God knows how to get us to release our faith. How does that come? That comes from listening to what you have discovered in the promises. Proverbs 6 says that bind the word of your father and your mother about your neck. Meditate upon it, give your heart, give your ears to it, and then one day when you rise up, it shall speak to you. And God will give you a word of how to use your faith. Amen? Sometimes Paul told people, rise up, the Lord hath healed thee. The man's faith, he leaped to his feet and he was totally healed. Another time, he would lay hands on people. Other times, he would take a prayer cloth. They were all acts of faith, but they were determined by the leadership of the Holy Ghost. So we understand that we need that leadership. So what I would do is I would write down what I've seen God wanted to do. And then I would say, how am I going to use my faith? And I would write it down. And then what I would do is I would ask the Holy Ghost to teach me how to mix my faith with the promise that he had given me. Because the Bible says that when we write that, that we do it, now we have to say what we believe. We have to say what we believe happened without any evidence. So... We know 1 Corinthians 2 down to verse 13 that we don't speak with man's words of wisdom, but we speak as the Holy Ghost teaches us. This is so important that you speak what the Holy Ghost has given you to say. God told Abraham, say your name is Abraham. Not I'm going to be Abraham. Someday I'm going to be. No, God said, stop talking like that. Call yourself Abraham. Speak things that are not as though they are. Based on what? What God has showed you, what faith will do or how it should be released. Now you can speak things that are not as though they are. Now, so you need those three things. To start out with, the fourth thing you need is this. Don't be moved by what you see. Look back at the vision and remember what happened when you released your act of faith. Remember? Just remember. Remember what you're supposed to say. Don't look at your evidence because what you see is really not what's happening behind the scenes. Could I get an amen? God is faithful. And how he brings it to pass, I don't care. He is God. I am the man releasing my faith. And God will do whatever God needs to do to bring it to pass. Now, don't be moved 
by what you see. Why? Because you'll become double-minded. You'll look at your vision one day, and then you'll look at your evidence or the things that are happening and going on that are totally contrary to what your faith said is going to happen, and then you'll get double-minded. But they said, stop listening to them. Go back to what God said. Go back to what God said. Go back to what you have saw in the Scripture. Go back and remind yourself, I did this by faith. And this is what I believe will be the end. You speak things that are not as though they are. And then you stop looking around. And when I say stop looking at evidence, I mean stop looking at your calendar too. Well, we believed for 10 years. Okay, Abraham believed for 25. You only got another 15 to go. Amen. Come on, praise God. See, Phyllis says this. Why does God wait to the last minute? I said, when do you send out your check? Amen. Well, I'm not God. I said, you're absolutely not. So I wouldn't be making accusations. Look, just know that in time, God will bring it to pass. Now, I'll, I'll say this. I remember when Phyllis and I were first learning faith. We, uh, <clears throat> we were just, uh, I hate to When I was a sinner, listen, I had... My boat was painted. My clothes were painted, hand-painted to match my boat. I had a bait company. I had, had all that kind of stuff. I was setting in motion. I already had my license to set up my uh, own bait shop, and I was getting ready to set up a, a small bass pro shop uh, at the back of my house and uh, had my own bait company. I was fishing tournaments, and uh, all of a sudden, I got saved. One day I was fishing a bass tournament and I looked at the guy in the boat with me and I said, you know what? This is my last tournament. He said, what? I said, you heard me. I said, I'm a Christian. He said, well, so am I. I said, well, then you ought to feel like I do. We ought to be in church on Sunday. Just a thought, you know. And uh, so I quit fishing tournaments. I still made baits. Nikki would make baits and, you know, we, it was a family thing. And, uh, but we had to produce hundreds of them for the stores that we had them in. And uh, then I just felt led. I told Phyllis, I said, you know what? I'm going to stop my bait shop. I'm going to sell the stock I have, and, and I'm, I'm not going to do it. And I said, I'm, I'm going to sell my hunting dog. I, had a, I, I always hunted birds, a pheasant and quail, and, and I had a hunting dog. And uh, back then, it was only like three or $400, but that was like, two, buddy, two weeks' wages, and back then when I bought him. So, but I sold that. Then I sold my browning over and under. And, uh, you know, and then I noticed that when I did that and committed myself to live for Christ, it didn't get better. It got worse. Money dried up, not just a trickle at a time. I'm telling you, the well went dry. And I always worked two jobs, always had a side business, Always were, always had businesses on the side. And sometimes I'd have two. And I, I always just worked. Phil said, I never have to worry about you. You'll go and you'll dig worms out of the ditch and sell them. 
you're going to feed us. I said, you're absolutely right. And uh, I always took care of her. And so she never had that concern. And we didn't always live in the palace. We started out in a 10 by 50 trailer with $10 in our pocket and old Valiant. So uh, she didn't marry me for my money. That's why I wouldn't never get married again. You can't trust people when you got money. They might like your money and your title. You know, Phyllis didn't have none of that. The title I had, I was trying to run from. So, you know, and I had $10. Well, I know she wasn't trying to marry up. And uh, in fact, when I married her, I think I owed her $6 and something for taking her out to supper one time. And she had to loan me the money because she wanted to go out with these fancy people. And, uh, you know, that was when you give a dollar to McDonald's and you got change back. And, uh, yeah, you don't do that anymore. And, uh, <clears throat> but we started using our faith. And after we dedicated our life, I want to tell you something, it went downhill. I mean to tell you, our roof leaked. And I'm, and I'm telling you, our roof leaked. We had buckets setting under our roof. It was like overnight. And uh, I would just believe in God. I just had to get home before it rained. And I would just set those buckets out, and it would run. Not trickle, it would run. Not drip, it would run down through our ceiling, through our roof, through our insulation, and through the ceiling into the bucket. And I'm believing God. Well, don't you have no money? No, it's getting worse. I, and I'm believing God. And God showed me that a man was coming. And so one day I heard a knock on the door, opened the door, and the guy was there and he had two buckets of, of stucco mud, uh, sheetrock mud, whatever they stucco ceilings with. And uh, he was standing there and he set him down and said, hey, God told me to come over here and redo your ceilings. And I thought, well, they're leaking. He said, well, we'll take care of that too. So uh, we'll just get a new roof. So we fixed my ceiling and we put a new roof on the house. That was great. That didn't do away with the electric company hanging red tags on our door. And we tried to get home to get them off before our neighbors knew that we had them. So we couldn't afford fuel oil. So we took the money we had, like 150 bucks, and we bought a, one of them old wood stoves. The problem was we never had no wood. And so we would just pick up pieces of wood off of the freeway, off the back roads. I was breaking up pallets from work, trying to keep our house warm, trying to keep my family warm. And one day a guy came up and said, hey, you, do you uh, know anybody needs any firewood? I said, oh, I, I don't know. What, what do you got? And he said, I got about two cords of wood in the back of my yard, and I just don't use it anymore. You know anybody wants it? I said, yeah, I'll get somebody to get it. Me. <laughs> and I went and got it, and praise God, it helped us through that winter, and we made it. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, so we had these issues, and, and we were just, we just, we went down to broke. I mean, there were times that Phyllis said, you know, we don't have no food. And a guy would show up at the door. One time a guy uh, at my workplace, I had uh, left my workplace two years before. And uh, Phyllis told me that morning she went to work, she said, honey, we, we don't have no food. And I said, well, you know, God's going to provide. And... Uh, I was in that little house and I was praying and, and uh, thanking God and telling the devil he's a liar and I heard a knock at the door. And here comes Skip. He was an old man and, and he said, hey, 
I was at home and I remembered I promised you some of that beef when I butchered that cow a couple years ago. He said, so here, I just brought this whole bag of meat over for you. I said, well, thank you, Skip, and talked to him. And he said, okay, I just wanted to drop that off. And I said, okay, thank you. Praise God. And a little did I know that God used a sinner, hallelujah, to raise the cow to slaughter for me so that I could eat one day. Now, and those things happened to us. But there were times that we had to stop looking at what we saw. We had to train ourselves not to look at what we saw. I remember when God told me, he said, I want you to go on television and I want you to do a program. I said, I ain't got no money. So I went up to TV 44 and got it all planned and all that. I had my first uh, uh, logo. I had it cut out of a piece of plywood and painted about 10 times. So it looked nice and had only OBM on it and had a sword through the O. And uh, I, that's what I stood in front of the camera when they were doing the yeah. intro, you know, just this white shield with a sword through it. And uh, so I asked them how much it going to be. They said it's going to be about $500. $500? Will you take our second born? We don't have one, but we will have it for $500. And uh, so I just, I said, God, all right, I'm going to believe you for $500. And I started believing God for $500, wrote it down. I knew that God would make a way where there was no way. And I started speaking that, you know what? God has provided $500 for a television program on TV 44. And I said that, and I said that. One day, a friend came by and said, hey, I'm going down to Dayton to give this guy an estimate on some concrete. You want to go with me? I said, sure. Yeah, I don't have nothing to do. So I went with him, and while I was in this man's office, sitting in a chair, the other guy is pitching his sales pitch for his concrete. The guy says, uh, so you're a preacher? I said, yeah. I said, I preach Jesus, and, and uh, you know, I, I believe in the Holy Ghost and believe in miracles. He said, yeah, well, you know, I'm not saved or anything. He said, uh, but, you know, I feel like, I, I just feel like I ought to just give you $500. And I said, well, don't hold back, brother. He gave me $500. A sinner paid for the first television program I ever had. $500. They did the editing and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I went on TV 44 and then found I could put it on public uh, broadcast and all that. And so I became famous in my own eyes. <clears throat> and uh, so we had been through that. But what we learned was we were not going to be moved by what we've seen. We were not going to be moved. There were days when we had to mix flour and pour it in an uh, iron skillet, make what we called fritters. I don't eat fritters no more. It's like white navy beans. They are never coming back into my house. I ate them for one week straight, and I told Phyllis, you bring another white bean in the house, you bring it in the front door, you make sure you go out the back. We are not having white navy beans in my house. And don't have me over for supper at your house with white navy beans because I'd be drinking the sauce and spitting them out. I don't want them. Hallelujah. And, uh, and we, you know, we'd have a little grape jelly or something and put on the fritters, and that's what we ate. That's just what we ate. We had to survive. Hallelujah. 
I remember Nikki one time said she finally got enough money and went and bought a Happy Meal. She was eating the hamburger in the back of the seat. She said, oh, man, thank God we finally had God has blessed us. She said, and being rich is a whole lot better than being poor. And I thought to myself, you are kidding me. A buck 25 has changed your attitude that much. But that's how poor we were. And uh, it just seemed like things got worse. But time went on, and we learned to stand, and we learned to do what I'm telling you to do. And so we learned how to talk things or speak things that were not as though they were and not to look at the evidence, not to deny the evidence. Sometimes people say, oh, no, I'm not sick, and they're coughing like an influenza horse. And uh, no, if you're sick, don't tell people you're sick. Just tell us what you believe. But don't tell us what you're trying to deny. All right. The second thing you're going to have to do is this. You're going to have to read and remember it says, though it tarry, it will come to pass. Somebody say it takes time. That's right. Don't be moved by time. Don't be moved. Don't worry. Though it tarry, it will come to pass. It will not lie. Then you're going to have to resist. You're going to have to resist the devil. You're going to have to resist yourself. Because if you start caving in to faithlessness after you have set faith in the motion, you will set in a practice that you may not be able to break. And I say that if you don't address it and become aggressive towards it. Now, you, if you start relinquishing, drawing back from faith, because maybe the crisis is over, maybe the need's over, maybe the marriage has settled down, uh, whatever it might be, and you draw back, guess what? You're not drawing back to faith. You're drawing back to perdition. You're drawing back to a faithless state. Oh, that's, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. And so, then you just have to say, remember, I have to be persistent. you got to be patient. The word patient simply means to go through something without murmuring, complaining, grumbling, or making sounds that are not faith-born. That's what faith is, uh, patience is. Patience is you just need to stand and let the faith process work its work. Amen. Amen? You stay where you are and let faith do what it's supposed to do. It's designed like a seed and it knows how to bring forth a harvest. What it doesn't need is you drawing back. Stay committed. Could I get an amen? Stay committed. Make sure that you're constantly focused or aware. Don't cast away your confidence. Anybody know what confidence means? Wayne, look it up on your phone. Look, look at what confidence means. So we want to be patient. In other words, don't make sounds of murmuring, complaining, whining around. Don't really tell the devil how you're feeling. Don't be an emotional, aroused person. All right, what you got there, Wayne? 
Come on, you little damn. There you go. Confidence means have, uh, in a good sense, trust in or a stillness or confidence or a folly. You got another one here? Kick it on there. Okay, ah, there it means. It means now fat. Implication is means of the loins. Or in general, it means to be stillness, to trust, confident. It means to hope and to stand. It simply means don't cave in. Don't cast it away. Be bold. Stand in confidence. Don't cast it away. Trust in the Lord. So if it's going to take time, how long does it take? However long it takes, it takes. Remember, the manifestation of something doesn't please God. It pleases you. Faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. And so we want to do those things. We want then to take a stand and let the process run. Be patient. Be confident. Don't cast it away. Don't draw back. Why? Because faith doesn't fail. People do. Did you hear me? Faith doesn't fail. People do. So, don't cast away your faith. Resist everything else. Now, once you get a couple of victories under your belt, guess what? You're going to have more confidence. You're going to move on to new levels or new areas. But when we're talking about just getting started out, just start out where you're at. Don't wait for a crisis. Use your faith or exercise it. Prove it to yourself before a problem arises. Christians are notorious for doing nothing until they need something. Yeah. And so we can say, we believe. Well, we know that you're starting out to believe, but whether you will finish in belief yet remains. You may draw back, but we don't want to. So instead of always drawing money out of the bank, How about believing God for certain things? Believing God for certain things. Amen? And so instead of saying, well, you know, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, how about saying, God, what would you like for me to do? Maybe he'll say, there's Daniel that's uh, on the worship team. He has this uh, Taylor guitar. What does that mean? It looks like a $29 guitar, but he's all, he's all enthused about it. I, what's a Taylor guitar cost? That's expensive. Yeah. A thousand. A thousand. No, no, more than that. More than that. Well, he was in a music store, and uh, uh, the guy said, hey, why don't you try one of these Taylors out? And a guy took him there, and uh, he had been in a music store about a year ago, and uh, he said, man, I'd like to buy this. You know, 36 months, the same as cash. How in the world is 36 minutes of death, the same debt, same as cash? 
That's like a Phyllis formula or something. Yeah. Anyway, he was there, and the Lord told him, don't buy this. Trust me. So Daniel said, okay, God, I'm not going to buy it. I'm, I'm not going that 30, 36 months, you know, they're dinging a carrot in front of him. And, you know, it's only 22 cents a day. And, you know, yeah, right. Then you miss one day, and it's 98% interest on the whole bill if you miss 22 cents so so daniel doesn't do anything but a guy comes up to him and says hey i'd like for you to go with me uh, to the music store daniel said okay so he takes him down there and he says uh why don't you look at one of these tailors and so they start bringing all these tailors they are back in the back room bringing these tailors they're bringing them out and daniel said as soon as i touch that guitar i said this is the guitar he showed it to me yesterday that's why I said it looked like a $29 one. I, I didn't know it didn't have nylon strings on it until I looked at it. And uh, he said, and the guy said, you like that one, Daniel? Yeah. And he said, go ahead and get it. I'm going to buy it for you. Amen. Daniel said, you're kidding me. Now, what did Daniel do? He could have went 36 months. Wouldn't be anything wrong with that. You know, pull your kid's teeth out every two weeks to make a payment. Send it to Grant Paul and say, here, the tooth fairy came again. As long as you make it within 36 months, you've got two kids. One has no teeth. The other one has lost half of theirs. You've got two kids. Come on. Anybody could do that. All right. Now, but Daniel chooses to go the route that God says go. Sometimes our impatience causes us to miss the recorded experiences of God. Now, write these things down, and when something happens in your house, you go right back to that list. And you look at that list, and you say, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Our family has a formula. You get sick in the family, or you got to go through something. First thing we do, we come together, and we say, okay, we're going to fast for three days. We fast for three days, and then at the end of those three days, we come together. And whatever the person that needs a manifestation or a breakthrough or a healing, then they determine what course they're going to take. Sometimes it's, you know what, I, I think I should go to the doctor. Okay, that's great. We're, we're standing with you. And then what we do is we lay out a scripture. And we say, this is what we believe. And this is what we're going to say and we say nothing else and we don't believe anything else and we set our faith in motion and that's what we do we make a list we copy it we give it to everybody and this is where we're going and so that individual has us standing with them with their faith but you can't have your faith you saying one thing and then you know well y'all had been doing this well, you know, I heard you could do this. I heard you could do that. Stop. Come into agreement. Stop changing where we're going. Write it out. Give us some type of direction. Amen? Don't you wish they had faith GPS? Every time you'd go to say something stupid, they'd say, turn right and shut up. Okay, that'd be wonderful. But... We don't. We get so impatient, 
and then we're tossed to and fro. Well, we should do this, we should do that. No. If you choose the way of the medical doctor, do what he told you to do. Don't miss medication. Don't miss appointments. Don't miss what you're supposed to do. If you're going to go faith or faith and medicine, then you write down what you're going to do every time you take that medication. Could again, amen. Don't resist it. Don't fight it. Do it. Well, don't you believe in healing? Oh, stop. Do I believe in healing? Absolutely, I believe in healing. But I believe that everybody's not me. And if they believe that a doctor will help them or God directs them to go that way, then I expect them to go that way. I'm not going to condemn them. Well, if they had faith, well, if you had so much, you could get them healed. But you don't, so please be quiet. Come on, we don't, we don't need you jumping into the mix and messing the cookies up. Look, we agree with people where they are. And let them go the route they're going to go. You can't convince them any other way. If they've made their mind up, befriend them. Don't isolate them. Right? Amen. And so, we want to make sure that we walk with people together. Right? If you would come over to my house, Philip, are you still lifting weights? It looks like your arms have shrank. You haven't been lifting, have you? Have you been lifting? Not as much. Ah, yeah, you was. I didn't see. Now, if Philip was coming over to my house, I would not feed him cake and ice cream. I would feed you vegetables and meat. Amen. I would stay away from bread, stay away from pasta, stay away from mashed potatoes. Yes. Now, you wouldn't, but Amen. I would try to keep you away from them. Amen. But you'd sneak in there and you'd say, well, I'm allowed to have some carbs, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but usually when Philip is working out, he's eating real good, eating a boiled egg in the morning, drinking plenty of water. I notice the boiled egg is gone and the water is gone. <laughs> But the cupcakes and the coffee keep oh. showing up. <laughs> you can get me choked wrongfully. <laughs> Where's the water? I was taking care of it. When? I a little bottle. Little bottle. Yeah, you're trying to bail out, Philip. Yeah, wipe the chocolate off your chin and own up to it. Now, but now, I... I wouldn't disagree with Philip. I would just say, look, okay, I'm going to walk with you as, as much as I can. And I'm going to give him what I have. If he needs a coat, I'm going to give him my coat. I'm going to walk with him. If he needs my faith in this area, I'm going to believe. If he's going to believe that the surgery is going to be okay, I'm going to believe with him. Why? Well, I can walk with him in unison and get a result. Or I can start criticizing, telling him what to do, what not to do. And then I convince him to move into an area of belief that he's not ready to go. Don't ever convince somebody to believe. That's their choice. But don't choose that. Don't get them to walk your faith walk. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. That's why if I would go on a diet, I have to cook for myself. Why? Because Phyllis ain't going on a diet. 
I told her we'd come back from cruise. Honey, we got to lose this weight. She said, we're going to Nikki and Randy for biscuits and gravy. <laughs> I said, uh, she said, you can start that Tuesday. Then when Tuesday comes, honey, we don't have to stop and get us some hot dogs. Okay, now it's Wednesday. What would you do Wednesday? Thank God she's sick. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Phyllis, I didn't mean that, darling. And uh, No, but now she's eating chicken noodle soup. I can live with chicken noodle soup. Amen. So meet people where they're at. Don't try to get them to be you. And don't keep changing the plan. If you're going to agree with somebody, agree with them. But if you're not going to, just say, I'm not agreeing with you. I don't think this is right. And then just stay out of the picture. But don't become a stumbling stone. Don't become a woodpecker. Just bang, 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 and all they hear is your bang, bang, banging. Please be quiet. Amen? I had a miracle the other night. Today. Phyllis went to say something. I said, honey, honey, please, 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 just be quiet. And she did. Yeah. I said, I wanted to do something. She said, you can't do that. I said, 56 people, quiet. I'm going to do this. Okay. So there you go. I had a miracle today. Everybody lift your hands and just thank God. He's still doing miracles. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, listen, we're going to write a list of what we're going to do every time. A miracle can be duplicated any time that we choose if we just simply let God set the standard, speak a word to us, show us how to use our faith. That's what every miracle in the Bible is. It's written there to duplicate. Could again an amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just worship you and we thank you. And God, we give you the praise that God, you're not a God that doesn't give us some place to go and the directions to get there. Now, Father, we thank you that God, you will do what you've declared that you would do. You will fulfill your word. Every promise is yea and amen. And God will write it down. We'll lay out what the Holy Ghost tells us to say. We'll use our faith the way that it needs to be used. We will refuse to look at the evidence except what we have written. And God, we will say, speak things that are not as though they are. God, we will not be moved by time. God, and we will not, God, cast away our confidence. We will resist the enemy and we will stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, God, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless. Praise God. Sunday.